Welcome back. Welcome back to Green Box Gaming. Plays Delta Green, Impossible Landscapes. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Joe. I'm going to be your handler for this operation. And I am joined by three people who are present and here and probably have some redeeming qualities. Uh, I will go wow. and introduce them in an order that is not indicative of how oh. I feel about them or of any objective measures of their value or worth. Mm. So, this is the nicest anything anybody has any has said to me yeah. this whole week. Yeah, this Thank is you, nice. Joe. So I'm just going to assume the best out of everything. I feel loved. So starting with Brad, uh, who is playing our U.S. Marshal, Hank Ellis. Hello. And I'm also joined by Jean, playing our journalist, Benedict. Hey. And then, again, last but not least, because, again, as I said at the top, it's not indicative of their overall quality. Dace, playing Benji, our historian. Giddy up, cowboys and cowgirls. Giddy up. Interesting choice. Okay. Cleanest thing you've said. <laughs> God. And will say. I think, and will I think say. this intro is going really good, guys. I'm feeling good yeah, about this good one. About, yeah, yeah. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be a good one. How are you guys doing? What have you guys been up to? Oh, moving. Oh, that's right. Oh. My house is in complete disarray, and so is my brain. Mm. Gotcha. All right. What's up? Because, okay. I mean, you're moving. I guess it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter how far away you're moving. You still have to put everything in boxes and then unpack yep. it when you get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. What about you, Jean? You got any... Uh, aren't you hanging out somewhere different? Different part of South Africa. Yeah, I'm in Cape Town. It's good. Okay. All right. How was that? Peaceful. Hold on. Peaceful. Nice. Yeah, because you're usually in. A... I'm in the dark. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they, they still turn off the lights there every now and then, but it's. Uh... Turn off the light. <laughs> well, I know. Well, actually, now that I think I was. I was about to say something about man, and you know, summer's upon us. But then I remember. Yeah, that don't ask me John... how I'm doing. What about Brad? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait for that. This is where it started. What a day. <laughs> guys, yeah, guys, let's get it together. We're, we're doing so well. Stand nothing. up for yourself, Brad. I've got nothing going on, Joe. No, you don't even have to ask me. Let's go ahead. Um, Let's go out with, with no, the. No, Brad, I want to hear. I want to hear how you're doing, man. I'm interested. Yeah. Great. Good. That's all right. Okay. All right that's there. why I didn't ask. Okay. That. That's uh, why I didn't ask, because that's all you do. Uh, you always do this. <laughs> really oh, does, man. though. It's always one-word answers. <laughs> always like this with you. My mother no. was right. <laughs> uh, Alright, well, uh, I know... So, summer is upon us here, guys. Or, I guess technically maybe we're still in spring, but I know it is starting to warm up here. So, uh, I know, like, you know, I'm up in Oregon. Oh, that's right! You're in a different hemisphere! <laughs> like... Ooh. So you're yeah, you guys are bundled up in woolen clothing. Yeah. So you guys are heading into uh, you guys are heading into heading into winter then right now. I still don't know how that works, wall. like with the Earth being flat and everything. That's right. Yeah. It probably has something to do with the ice wall. I imagine. Do they move the mm -hmm. ice wall around? Is that is that how they do it? Must be. Yeah. 
big Must pharma be. government does it. I think. Yeah, the UN with, with helicopters yeah. and I dragons. I don't know enough about this to really comment. I'm gonna leave. It you to don't know about the science of. Mm. It's not even. It's not even flat Earth theory. It's flat Earth fact. I don't. <laughs> I honestly don't know the ice wall thing. What is that? Okay. So <laughs> all right. So according to again. according to the flat earthers. Okay, and if again, if you're a flat earther, please feel oh, this free is how get. to comment on my lack of knowledge. Feel um, free to comment or leave. Yeah, or, or maybe <laughs> just leave. <laughs> so, if I understand correctly, so the Earth is a flat, it's like a disc or something, and along the edges is a giant ice wall that keeps people and the oh. oceans from falling off. And if uh, you get near, if you if you travel too far, you get too close to the ice wall. The UN will come with its mighty military power, the UN. And, <laughs> and will and will either escort you away from the ice wall or disappear you slash kill you. So so maybe, it's just like Game of Thrones. I I am sad to say I have never seen Game of Thrones, so I okay. cannot come. And the funniest yeah. part to me is that dudes like. The most impotent AC <laughs> to the US have no power. Like, how do they have the they're, resources to do that? To monitor they're, the they're entire helicopter perimeter. The singular helicopter. No, the one <laughs> helicopter we have is already on the other side of the ice wall. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, this could be a Delta Green campaign. The ice wall. It should the be ice wall. That'd be awesome. Boom, uh, home right, our train. Write it up. Yeah, get on it. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of Delta Green campaigns, Delta Green stories are right in the middle of our own. Is that what we're doing? One I That's on. what we're doing. Yeah. Sorry, we're here for uh, a podcast, days. Uh, oh. Yeah, I thought it was about camp. flat Earth, though. I thought that was the whole premise of this podcast. Mm, yeah. Uh, anyone who's listening to the top side, to the top side banter, could be forgiven for thinking that. So yeah. We are in. We should we give right. some kind of a timestamp for when we actually start podcast. We actually start actually playing the fucking game. <laughs> for anybody who doesn't want to hear us talking shit, go to this time. <laughs> oh man. Well, we are here with our agents in 2015 in Boston. Uh, the team was originally recruited to investigate the disappearance of three agents uh, from a. Delta Green sponsored insane asylum. Um, they investigated, determined there was some foul play, but they haven't managed to circle back to it because it became very clear to them that not only was there foul play, but also that their their briefing officer, their in-game handler, was almost certainly had been affected by the unnatural. The team began to investigate um, their their handler, Asian Exeter, who they later determined to be Dr. Elias Barvis. They investigated his home. <laughs> Two of them were nearly killed in a, a combat encounter with the um, with a mechanical construct, basically like a a clockwork steampunkish terminator that almost murked two of them. Uh, they were able to recover from that and eventually were then actually black-bagged Dr. Barbus and discovered that he, too, has been corrupted 
by the powers of the king in yellow. Uh, after an incident, and I'm not going to say it's anybody's fault, but Benji did gun down the man as he was strapped to a chair, uh, as one does. And it happens. It happens, especially in Delta Green. And you guys then began to investigate his home again. When you returned to his home, you guys again came to blows with the lion, which is this mechanical creature, and were able to destroy it um, without taking any damage. It's incredible what happens when you guys are super, super paranoid and very well armed and very well prepared. So, good job. And very lucky. And, and lucky, yeah. It is worth noting. You guys so. are much luckier. I, oh yeah, there were the amount of fumbles, fumbles? <laughs> yeah, huge right. fumbles. Someone yeah. rolled a one hundred. Can't say. I think who, it was me. Who, who would that? I don't yeah. Not Brad. It was. It was me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you were you. so pissed off. You like you had to get up and <laughs> turn the AC on. <laughs> <'Cause> you, <laughs> just so hot the uh, That's why I've, I've just blocked it from my memory. That's how pissed I was. <laughs> Somebody rolled a hundred. Somebody. <laughs> you guys investigated uh, Dr. Barbus's home in Medford, Massachusetts, a little suburb. Um, you, you guys had figured out that this home, this place is obviously influenced by the King in Yellow. There is something like similar to the way the McAllister building was um, last season in 1995 that there was something going on here that the influence had grown into the, not just into the home, but actually into the, some of the property as well. You guys begin to look at throughout the house. You find a lot of weird stuff. You find some references uh, to, I'm thinking of like some of the evidence you found last time. You found a, a cell phone that was, that was apparently hidden, taped underneath the counter in the kitchen that had the demonic symbol one of these demonic symbols that like you had experienced in the past, but this time not of a demon called person, but this time of a demon called Citri. Um, you guys then found a book that bore the name that someone had written inside, you know, like property of, of a name that you had seen before, Samahina, uh, who was the head nurse at the Dorchester facility. Uh, so you guys had found that. You guys made your way upstairs and found more oddness you found like a small a place a kind of shrine or altar where this person demon symbol was inscribed into the floor and lastly you guys had uh you guys had heard about this another entity called the scribe you entered the last room of the home where we ended last time seeing a machine that you assumed to be the scribe and a pile of these um not books but book covers that are very very uh, much remind you of the red book, the king in yellow in the red cover that you guys had had. And then when we ended last time, you guys had just recovered a a piece of paper, a a cheat sheet that Dr. Barbus had um, that had a lot of personal info about each of you guys. Um, I'm actually going to transition for those of you watching the VOD or for those of you with us here on Twitch. I'm actually going to transition over here to the uh, to that handout so we can take a look at it. So this is the handout. It has uh, it has a lot of interesting information about the characters, their personal names, their code names, their habits, their bonds, and then several interesting little tidbits like for Benji. Red the play, 
in the play. For Hank Ellis, looking for Abby will find her in the end. And Benedict is playing part. Act two, scene one. Mm-mm-mm. And that is where we ended it with the characters realizing that a lot of their most private info and I imagine that as you guys are looking this and handing this around I mean you each are reading things about each other that you have no idea you don't know each other's bonds uh, you're surprised to see um, Hank you're surprised to see uh, Sandy mentioned on Benji's list you know you're uh, someone who used to be a bond of yours uh, a a waitress at a Waffle House that you used to hang out with but you're seeing loads of different things about each other, things that you didn't know, your personal addresses. So, with that in mind, what do you do? Didn't we also find Hank, another symbol about Marbus? I think that you guys, or maybe that was the one that was in... Yes, that's right. I think you guys had found out, uh, because when you guys had originally been summoned, the for the briefing from Agent Exeter, you had he had reserved the room under the name Marbus. And maybe it was a symbol in this room elsewhere. You had found a seal that had the name Marbus on it. And the way that the Marbus demon was described was described as having knowledge of mechanical things, which seems really, really coincidental. Oh, there's a third demon called Marbus supposedly. This is now, you guys have now run to three of these demonic seals in real life. Now you obviously have, because especially because Benji is knowledgeable about it, you have a, a hard copy of Dr. Elias Barbas's, his hard copy, his taped together kind of handmade copy of the Ars Goetia, which is a book of demons and how to summon them. You guys also have access to Demon Web 101, which is something you've described, and you have Benji, who has over an 80 in a cult, so can rattle any of the shit off to you off the top of his head, because he's up to his eyeballs in it. Mm. Hank, this is a uh, homeless in apartment now. What? What's happening? What? What does that mean? I don't know what this means, but uh, and then uh, Benji, what do you know about Sandy? Oh, Sandy? Uh, uh, do you know her? Sandy Forsyth? <laughs> Works down at the cafe? Oh, you do. You guys aren't close anymore. That was one of the bonds that you lost in the in hey. the 20 years, I believe. Yeah, Pulls we used to out. have a thing. <laughs> She's a real generous hey. lover. <laughs> she hey, told me I was the best says, she ever had. What have you done with my woman? <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't pull out the gun. He doesn't do that. Um, this man has been keeping tabs on us, or him and someone else. Um, mm. I'm a bit more disturbed about the tabs that don't seem to plug in. What? These bots. I'm. I'm not happy. With this. I'm not happy with this battle. Can uh, uh agree that we need to burn this. Hank just wants to get rid of this completely. Yeah. Yes. Without a doubt. I just... There's something on Benji's list. What does that say? Monta, L.A. 
Monta LA 1992. Is that what that says? Funny you mentioned that. It's actually Monts, M-O-N-T-Z, Monts, L-A, as in Monts, Louisiana. Is that Benji, ring a bell? Oh, it doesn't just ring a bell, my friend. Benji, you run your finger down the list and you see Monts, and there's a moment where you have a bit of a moment. Your head swims as we, as the camera zooms in to Benji's face. Oh, oh Lord. And we watch as the wrinkles of time disappear onto a much younger, much brighter looking Benji Potts. As the camera pulls away, we see that Benji is walking. He is stomping through what looks like swampy woodland. Um, And he's walking through and he's behind a man who's wearing no shirt and has like paint up his chest and onto his face. Um, so the man turns around. He's a, he's a big hulking guy and he uh, he turns around. And he says, now y'all promise you gotta be, you gotta be cool about this. I told him that you'll be coming. I told him that you'd be respectful though. Yeah, absolutely. Hand on God. And by all means, don't mention nothing about the big man while you're here. Um, Y'all can it? Roger that. Benji, you are in Mont's, Louisiana. It's 1992. You are, after your experience at the crossroads with the strange, the strange man in the yellow suit, you have continued to go down this road and investigating this connection between the blues and the unnatural and you found your way to Mont's, Louisiana which is a small town out you know not you know it's on the outskirts of New Orleans uh, and you have come into contact with this with this group who supposedly practices this music-infused, music-informed kind of voodoo. And voodoo is the actual traditional practice of voodoo. Um, It's like the kind of basis for which voodoo gets its anglicized, popular uh, idea. But this is like the true, uh, like the true traditional voodoo that exists. And not only that, you've Many of you have probably heard of hoodoo. Uh, hoodoo is actually a real term in the practice of voodoo, and hoodoo is basically evil magic, where voodoo is not necessarily evil spirits, mm. where hoodoo kind of encompasses the use of evil spirits and evil magics. Um, you are walking through the forest. You're being led, and you can see through the woods. You see that there's an area where the land dips down and fills with water. And then on a small kind of island out in the middle of this low, marshy, like, pond, you see a fire. You see people standing around it. Your your guide, whose name you still do not know, begins to wade off, getting about, getting between his knees and his hips deep in this marshy, disgusting water 
He's like, come on. Hey, brother, are there gators in there? Should I be concerned? He laughs. Of course there's gators. Come on. Uh, all right. Hey, by the way, what's your name? You, you, did you have to do this? Did you have to do this to me right now? <laughs> you said, by the way, whose name you do not know. I thought that was a cue. <laughs> he's, he's Thibodeau. He's Thibodeau. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah, I, I Thibodeau. Come on. We don't, we don't want to miss. All right, here we go. He's on high alert looking for anything that's moving. Any ripples in the water. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, <laughs> you're so paranoid as you're walking through the water that you don't even really take notice of what's happening. And it's not until you get your feet, not necessarily planted on dry ground, but on marshy, wet, soft ground that you manage to look. And you see that in front of you is, like I said, like a small island kind of raised up out of this marshy, murky water. Um, there's a, a pretty good-sized bonfire in the middle of it, and all around you are the sounds of instruments. Um, everyone there seems to be have a different instrument, and they seem to like almost like an orchestra, be like like getting tuned up and ready to go. Um, you see guitars, and you see guitars, and like uh, what are they like? Like someone has a calypso. You know, but you also see other things. You see people literally with like wash tubs with a string, like those like cartoonish country <laughs> bass guitar kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You see people with scrub boards, and you also see people with instruments that you've never even seen. You're like, is that a hurdy gurdy? Like, I, you know, you you see like people who are like literally just blowing into the top of the bottles and stuff like that. Um, it's a huge mix. Or someone with an accordion, you know, uh, someone with a sitar. And they're all seem to be getting ready. And they all kind of, and the music kind of quickly stops, just as you kind of enter the clearing. And Thibodeau says, uh, He's his man I was telling you all about. Don't worry. He's going to be respectful. Hi, hi, fellas. My name's Benji. Uh, I like that, that little ditty you're playing just then. It's pretty catchy. One of the men, I join in? One of the men stands up. Did you bring a guitar with you? You were probably instructed to bring to bring something. Yeah. The old the looks like the oldest man stands up and he walks up to you and kind of looks you up and down. He takes the guitar like from you, you know, as you're like holding it's it there, pulling it careful. off your back. And he looks okay. it over. He looks it over. He's like looking inside it. He, he said, "It's good y'all come, Benji. Go ahead, take a seat at the fire. We've been waiting for you." Wow. Yeah, all right. Uh, I'll just make myself at home over here. Yeah. Yeah, he goes up to the fire and takes a seat. What happens over the next few hours is a bit of a blur. Um, it starts out, everyone's just kind of picking and grinning. You know, everyone's kind of playing their music. And there's so many different instruments, you know, and it, and it becomes pretty obvious to Benji that not everyone's at the same level of skill with their individual instruments. But it's everyone just starts kind of playing. But after a while, I don't know, it's like, you know, Benji's been in a few really good jam sessions where you get a good flow on, and everything just kind of seems to disappear, and it's just the music. And after a while, it's just this cacophony of all these different instruments, all these different people. As Benji kind of gets the flow, and there comes a moment where a few of the people get up, and they actually transition 
and they go to like a small tent that's like on the far side and they bring out what looks like a goat and they stake it to the ground and they all start kind of chanting and before long one of them pulls out a knife and one by one they all go up and stab the goat once and what is what is Benji's reaction to this as this kind of sudden brutality makes itself known Oh man, I think it you takes mind, him aback. Go ahead. This is 1992, Benji. He hasn't been through anything. Yeah, yet. yeah, yeah. I think it rocks him. I think he stops playing and he's just like aghast at this display of brutality. Like, you, f- come. you feel something hit you, like give you a tap on the shoulder. You realize it's the head of Thibodeau's banjo. As mm-hmm. he kind of like nudges you with the banjo as you stop playing, he says, "Go on, y'all next." Uh, is he like indicating that he needs to go over to the goat yeah one of the people is holding out this huge bowie knife to you Benji stands up hesitantly takes the knife walks over to the goat uh, is it still the, the animal is is like it's past bleeding in pain like it's basically it's been stabbed so many times there's like a dozen people here and you think you're the last one and this thing is like on the ground and it is, you know, it's like it's past the point of being able to cry out. It's still alive as far as you can tell, but. Man, he'll look the goat right in its square pupiled eyes and just like hesitate for a moment and then just right down into the neck through the jugular trying to put it out of its misery. Yeah. You hear everyone kind of lets up this like whooping, like, you know, as you, as you, like, uh, as you stab it. And uh, you hear someone says, go on, get him again. <laughs> you know, and, and they keep cajoling you and pushing you to do more. I think Benji folds under the peer pressure. I think he stabs it again. It's just, and as you do this, you know, it's like, and people are like, yeah, are like, are crying out, you know, yeah, yeah. And the music is getting louder and louder. There are no amplifiers out here. (laughs) There are no speakers, but the music, it's getting so loud that Benji is like, he's, it's like standing right next to a huge, like a bass speaker at a concert. Like it's shaking your eyes. It's so loud as Benji continues to stab. Oh god, he's probably like got blood splatters all over his face now. Yeah. And as you go, it's like and you are continuing to like shake and I imagine that Benji at some point in time grabs the huge Bowie knife with both hands and is stabbing and stabbing. And then this the music is at this huge crescendo. You look down and the goat is not there. You see the face of an older black man. He has three gaping bullet holes in his chest. His his dirty suit is pulled to the side as he stares up at you with this sickly, huge, wide smile as you stab and stab and stab into the chest of Dr. Elias Barbus before you. And all of this goes on and on and Benji's head is swimming he raises his hands up in front of him and looks at the blood and looks at the man before his head swims and he passes out. 
Bravo. <laughs> Benji wakes up in the back of a pickup truck as it clambers down a gravel road. The daylight is just slightly, you know, just slightly kind of uh, hitting him, you know, like the, you know, there's just a little bit of light through the trees that kind of hits his eyes and he wakes up. The truck kind of careens to a stop from a high speed as it slides on the gravel. Benji looks over to see his car at the place that you had met Thibodeau. You see that laying beside you in the truck is a large, huge cotton sack that has something inside it that's bleeding through the sack. The door slams as Thibodeau, now wearing a shirt, his face still painted but with a shirt pulled over his body, comes up, says, All right. All right, Mr. Potts. I believe it's your stop. What? What happened? What y'all mean happened? What? What's in the bag? Oh, go. Don't y'all, don't y'all remember? Benji's just like confused, discombobulated. I I guess I'll get out. Yeah, as you go and you, you know, like you have your eyes on the on the bag the whole time is like is that too big of a lump for a goat is that, mm. it's like it seems like it could be a goat but it's is it too big is it too long like that's, you get out you hop over the tailgate onto the over to onto the gravel and the guy Thibodeau uh you know you go to shake Thibodeau's hand out of just just out of like a normal social interaction as you do you know you shake his hand but then he grabs your forearm with his left hand and holds you he says now I don't think I gotta tell you that you gotta be respectful in how you write this up with that paper you're doing. Yeah, of course, of course I will. All right. Well, uh, don't y'all worry about coming back here. We ain't gonna meet in this place no more, so. It's been good, Benji Potts. I appreciate you, Thibodeau. He smiles and chuckles, gets in the truck, cranks it up, and just as he's heading out, he hangs his head out the window. My name ain't Thibodeau. And he drives off. <laughs> you're standing there looking at that as you're watching the dust cloud disappear into the distance as you stand there by your car. You look down at your nails and see that along the edges are still the blood. It looks like someone's wiped off your hands, but there's still blood in the creases. <clears throat> as we then pull back into Benji's young face and the wrinkles regrow, and then we pull back away to see Benji in 2015 standing there looking down the paper. I don't get get to look in the bag? No, you don't get to look in the bag. It's a memory. You didn't look in the bag. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. What's in the bag? What's in the bag? Bag. So here we are. It's like, Benji, 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 can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, Where the hell yeah. did Geico? Just uh, staring at this paper for 15 minutes like you yeah. were having some kind of flashback that might give a fourth wall audience more insight to your character. Oh, no, brother. <laughs> I was just thinking about all them good times I had with Sandy. <laughs> oh. Oh, got him. What? Don't, don't you talk about Sandy anymore. Don't you dare. Don't you dare mention her name. We'll discuss that later. Um, <laughs> I'm back. Uh, sorry about that, fellas. Benji, do we yeah. move? Are you okay? Did you? Are you okay? 
Oh hell yeah, I've never been better. Alright, well, yeah. He's like visibly sweating. Yeah! Yeah, I'm fine! Is there anything you need to tell us? Perhaps a story that might be as long as you've been zoning out for the last 15 minutes and tell it all to us and yeah, so let's recount Great every detail. bit of that. The camera zooms in on Benji's face as the <laughs> creases smooth out, and it's 20 years ago, and oh, Benji's man. walking through a swamp, way steep. <laughs> anyway, we're back in the modern day now. So you guys are in Dr. Elias Barbas's home. You are you have this pile of these book covers that you've discovered, this pile of discarded... in. This piece of paper was found on a pile of discarded invitations, similar to the invitations that you guys had received. And in the middle of the room is still this machine. Yeah. Uh, Hank's like, I think it's without saying we got to get rid of this place, get rid of these books, the covers of these books. Uh, you know, I don't know, uh, burn this piece of paper. But we also need to figure out what this machine's doing. Is it like active clicking, or can you give another description of kind of what it looks like and what it's doing? Yeah. So, how big is it? Think about it's like it looks like a a mix of a typewriter, a cotton gin, and a clock. It's about the size of like God. I hate to use this old this like this old thing, but it's like it's like the size of a a bread box. <laughs> you know, it's like. Uh, it's mm-hmm. probably like two foot cubed. Like it's like this kind of big chunky machine that's on the middle of this desk. It's sitting there, and you see every now and then you see one of the strange little pieces of machinery kind of kind of you know move and then move back to where it was. And there is a light clicking that's kind of constantly emanating from it. Um, one All of right. your party, yes, okay. uh, one of your party, I will say, has an a seemingly innate and unnatural understanding of this machine. Uh, you don't even have to roll? Don't you? What is your skill in Carcosian Clockworks that you received? Well, thank you for asking. Um, and I'll tell you that. <laughs> presently. As, as we don't 35, have 35. 35. You... Benji, you know, as you have this feeling, I don't know, is Benji gonna like, is he like gonna go over there and investigate it? Are you guys moving yeah. your attention over there? I don't want to push the story. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. You go over there and you see that it has very much like a printer style hopper that looks like you would load paper into. Um, and there is a pile of papers sitting there to the side of it. Um, you also see a what looks like several you know um like those legal pads like yellow legal pads mm-hmm. that have like the cardboard backing to them you know and you like tear off the pages yep you see dozens and dozens of these discarded backs and you see one of them is sitting there and Benji it doesn't take you just a second you recognize these legal pad pages. These are the similar kind of things that Dr. Barbus had stuffed all throughout his clothes. Um, and on every single one of those crumpled pieces of paper that he had stuffed all in and about himself were snippets of the book, The King in Yellow. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Benji, you see this and you realize that the, on this notepad, Barbus has written out the entirety of the King in Yellow. Um, that in and of itself basically is a copy of the book. There's also a big stack of like big reams of blank paper that look like they could be loaded into the uh, into the hopper. Um, but as you look so at this thing, thing like you know, mass producing uh, the king in yellow. Well, the, like our, the legal like, pages have are handwritten, right? I know that's what I'm confused. Right. But he's but there's a spot for you to load paper into this thing as if it would yeah. like type out. Yeah. Um. Benji's gonna load up uh, some paper in there and see what happens. No, no, Benji, don't do it. No, Benedict. Like Benedict runs in, and he smashes the machine. Okay, all right. As you, Benji, stand back. I don't know what you do that with. Um, it's a book. Tries to swat it like Aha! a bug. <laughs> Take this machine. Wop, um, wop literature, the only thing that you've been immune to. The, I think there's there's enough junk around here that you could probably pick something up and go to town. Are you, or sorry, if you're going to attack this thing. Um, I'm attacking. All right. Um, are any of you going to do anything to stop him? Or you just, is this just going to happen? Is it, if this is happening, this is happening. I want to give everybody agency. Benji's not going to stop him, but he's going to be like, what the hell are you doing, Benedict? That's a priceless artifact. We need to understand it. It's it could dangerous. Help us. It could help us. We don't need to understand anything more, Benji. Nothing more to understand. Is he saying this Look one? He's just like going to town on it. it. <laughs> he's, he's, he's like pulls back his stab wound to his neck. Right. There is no more understanding needed. But he's going to do the exact same thing that caused the stab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, you pick up like a, you know, maybe there's like a crowbar or something there or just like a piece of lead pipe. And then it starts wailing on this thing. It's not an... Okay, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you guys. It doesn't burst to life and attempt to murder you guys. Um, uh. Pieces are flying everywhere. And this thing is like... I don't know. It seems to almost be like twitching and struggling against these strikes, you know, like as, you know, as he comes down with one of the blows, one of these weird, like there's a stylus that looks like it has like a quill or something on the end of it. It almost like appears to come up defensively as if to, to really? like his blow, but he just strikes right through it. Blam, blam, blam. And as and it gets to the point where the clicking stops. There's like a click, 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 cling, and like spring as like a spring launches out of it. You know. Oh my god! Benedict comes back after that spring. Yeah. We'll so, never yeah. know what it did, but perhaps it's for the it's, best. Um, it's okay. not worth it. Well, you know, but even that right there, I think that is such a good part of like Delta Green, where it's like one player's like. No, we can understand it. We could maybe we could use it. The other player's like, no, it's too dangerous. Like it's just that's a that's always a, a balancing act of these kind of games. Uh, uh, Hank did a search, but he failed. He was gonna look around for something that uh, something that is not in um, Barbus's handwriting, like mm. something that perhaps the this machine would have 
produced given a blank sheet of paper, but I guess that's, yeah. Hmm. You... I don't... I'm sorry, go ahead. I don't think we should... These things are too dangerous. We have to be real here. The time for investigating is done. It's time for action. It's time to get back to basics. We need to fix the situation. There have been too many stab wounds. If we don't understand it, we can't shut it down for good. We gotta cut this thing off at the source. How is this thing powered in the first place? Benji, do you know anything about this? Well, I would tell you if you hadn't smashed the shit out of it. (laughs) Perhaps, Benji, well, maybe this would be safer. Maybe you could uh, look at it now, now that it doesn't have the chance to ride anything and see if you could derive any sort of uh, what it might have done. And it could have stabbed you in the fucking hand had I not done what I did. You call me paranoid. He saved your life just now. And now we're fucking equal, Benji. We are absolutely not even. You just (laughs) smashed a bread box. I saved your fucking life. (laughs) 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 Ah, You know, it's hard to argue. All right. Maybe I owe you another one, Bill. Yeah. Uh, I guess Benji will uh, do a a check to see if he can glean anything about this this heap of parts. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as you look at it, because you have this, if you didn't have the skill specifically, <laughs> if you didn't have the carcosian the carcosian clockwork skill, you would have to like have something pretty special to do this specialized. But you do. There is no obvious power source, but Benji is part of you. Just like I said, this knowledge that seemed to have been kind of been implanted into you. You get the like you just know that there is a power source that's beyond kind of a mortal kin, if uh, if you would. Uh, mm. That goes beyond everything. That it is not something that that this that thing doesn't need to be plugged in. Doesn't need to be wound up. Um, you see that. In addition to the slot, the popper for the papers, there's also a small slot down below it. And I'm not going to make you roll for anything. I mean, it's pretty obvious. You look over at the pile of red leather uh, book covers. You Maybe you go pick one up and you hold it up to the slot. And you see that these book covers can be also fed into the machine. And you would not be surprised... If as Benji, or not Benji, but as Benedict and, you know, Hank had surmised that this thing might actually be capable of wholesale producing these books. Okay. Um, not just writing them, but actually binding them. Um, and you see that there's several piles, there's several cardboard boxes full of these, uh, several cardboard boxes full of these things. But there's also a, um, also several empty boxes that appear to the uh, near... There's like several empty boxes that all seem to be piled up next to a small door at the end of the room. Um, Looks to be probably a closet or something. Benjil, go check those out. Before we check those out, can Benedict... Benedict does two things. He kind of goes over the machine and checks, you know, like pokes to make sure it's dead. He also waves his hand over the top to make sure it's like not powered by any strings, and it does a little puppeteer magic. 
and like then that. he <laughs> also just, that's rational he also he wants to check if there's any way that is there any like tracking any investigate to see if there's any tracking numbers to see if each of them are identified in any way uniquely you mean the boxes or the the covers cop the, the covers or the ones yeah they look to all be identical um there's nothing you can surmise about them okay um but you did say you go over and open the door right yeah yeah then he saunters over to benji great fantastic you found there um also real quick well i'll i'll hold on a sec you go over to the door you open it up and for the most part it does indeed look like a closet and a lot of these boxes like dozens of these empty boxes are all stacked up in here um you know maybe kind of thrown in a small pile or like a few of the book covers that maybe have been damaged like they've been torn or something but something else strikes you a little odd and actually catches your eye more fast or anything else you know you open the closet door it's just a small little closet on the inside wall is another door it's a very small door it's like no more than like three feet tall just like built into the uh, built into the wall a wall that as far as you know should open up to the outside of the house Ellis, we might have an Alice in Wonderland situation here. (laughs) Oh, no. Not like that place. I'm gonna open this here door. You fellas wanna get your guns out? Is it nighttime? Joe? I I believe it is. Yep. Guns at the ready. Yep. Benji will walk over and open the door. What does he see? Well, you see that the door itself has like a little mail slot in it that's not like a traditional mail slot it it looks like it is the it looks like it is the perfect size to slip one of these books through as you open it you are kind of surprised to see that as soon as you open it there are metal bars across the door like vertical bars that would prevent you from you know from moving past it seems to literally be barred like a like an old school jail like it just has these huge metal bars and the room beyond is extremely dark um does i assume you have a flashlight or something yeah surely you obviously have a flashlight or something you shine it out and you see that it looks to be a short tunnel um and you can see a little ways back what looks like a rickety set of wooden steps And as you shine up the steps, you see the steps go up to what looks like a trap door. And you see it there is on the wall a singular light switch. And there is a light bulb hanging down. It looks like this tiny door that you're at goes out or is attached to a short tunnel accessible by a trap door. This does remind you of something. You have this sudden flash back to Robert Robert mm, descending yep. a set of stairs, holding his hand out, and receiving a copy of the King in Yellow from absolute darkness, from a disembodied mm-hmm. hand. Mm-hmm. You realize that you are looking probably at this side of the bookshop. Is that Barbus's hand? 
That's the reason. What the f- yeah. So... Well... It's as we expected. This is some sort of night floor situation, but, uh... Oh, I mean... I'm, I'm, I'm just... Co- go ahead. Go ahead, sorry. I guess I'm confused. Is this just a closed loop? I mean, he was making the... These books for not handing out to the general public, but to be slotted in this strange library uh, for some reason. As you guys come to this realization, I do need you all to make a quick sanity check. I was thinking that might be coming. As you see the wall that goes out to nothing, please enunciate your checks for me. It's a failure for Benedict. Failure for Hank. And a failure for Benji. Does anybody... So it's one sanity damage. Does anybody want to deflect? Yes. Yep. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, then because it's one... Um, no, actually, we're going to do it different. Uh, everyone, please roll that 1d4. Uh, three for Benji. Two for Hank. One for Benedict. All right. Uh, everyone reduce one of your bond scores by one and then reduce your uh, your willpower by whatever you rolled. Okay. Mm. So, yes. uh, who, are, who are you deflecting your uh, your bond damage to there for Hank? Uh, Sydney. Sydney. Cindy? You mean, you mean Cindy? The girl from the records? Yeah. What's her name? Okay. I thought it was Sid- Sydney. <laughs> I thought it was Cindy. <laughs> that's how much Hank cares about her. Uh, that's how he much is. he cares about her. All place. What about uh, what about Benedict? Who's he deflecting in that off? Benedict deflects to Barlow. And uh, Benji. Uh, Doctor Wendy Wright, his mentor back in school. Right. Um, as you guys retreat from the door, you do see this. You know, you're attracted, maybe Benji more so than the others, is attracted to this. Uh, the small, one of these small excerpts that are written out in Barbus's handwriting. Would one of you please read that for us? What about Benedict? Benedict <laughs> loves, loves, loves journalism. He's very comfortable with papers, as I understand, as I, as I recall. He <laughs> doesn't really want to read anything further, but no man can say when one ends or the other begins. Away you, pale demon, look not on our lives measured only by your profit. The clock has struck, and now it's time. Unmasked, unmasked. And none shall walk or move or scream, for this place has gone beyond time and tide and reckoning into the gray places where our dreams go, there finding nothing to die. And that was lovely. This man is, this Did you man just come up crazy. with that, Benedict? That was no, great. No, I found it on this. You can get a real piece of paper. I'm, <laughs> I'm tired of picking up pieces of paper. I don't want to look at another piece of paper in my life. Yeah. I'm, fellas. I'm I'm at a loss. I mean, I don't know where to go from here. I'm I'm guessing, like I said. I mean, do we really want to go back to that bookstore? What's to find there? Should we go back to the uh, mental health facility? I'm not sure where to go now. Well, you, you, remember, you guys do have some leads. You have the phone that you For found. sure. You have the 
book, which kind of points you towards... You have the book that you found downstairs, which kind of points you towards Esther Samahinga, or at least someone with the same last name, Samahinga. I think it was D. Samahinga. Um, oh, so, the, you know. yeah, there was a book that had... Obviously, yeah. you know, do that. I guess the main concern right now from Hank's perspective is, like, he doesn't want the book getting out to the general public, and that's what I assumed he was doing till now, but now he's just putting these books in this, like, uh, library that's, you know, in between space and time, I guess. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't seem like a huge concern. It's hard, right? Well, you know really. that's how... You know, <laughs> it's really nothing. <laughs> I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, who ha who can find this library? I mean, you know, I don't know. You know, you know Abigail Wright found it. True. With her dad. With and with her was brought down an entire building of people. Imagine if you guys hadn't contained it. For sure. They knew but I guess so. Are we saying the source is this library run by, you know? You also don't know if you can find it again. You don't know how you found it the first time. Well, we do know that uh, this leads to it. <laughs> this door. So we can find <laughs> it through this door. Is there... A, does it look like we can get past that iron grate? You don't know if it would be possible without some serious ordnance or equipment. Oh, no. fucking angle grinder. Yeah. <laughs> Only... <laughs> it always goes back to the angle grinder. So I guess, fellas, we got to decide what our next step is. I mean, we have the phone. We could go try to, I don't know, talk to this demon of sorts or go back to the psych ward and you think get we got a hotline to, to a demon that'd be pretty damn cool oh god that's <laughs> cool. so fun i think it's that it. is a way to describe a hotline to a demon pretty damn cool <laughs> 1-800-CITRI um here here's the thing we gotta we gotta get rid of this place right but my concern sure. is if we, yeah, we, we want to burn go. it down is it just going to reset itself like it has before? Hmm. Well, there are, from what I gather, there are multiple, uh, you know, entrances, entrance, entrances to this night floor situation. But uh, we definitely need to burn the place down. But if we burn it down, then we've lost access to wherever this cave is. So do we want to follow this rabbit hole or just get rid of it, close it up? Well, we're going to need some tools. We're going to need some power to get past this iron grate here. So maybe we'll go out and do that and at the same time investigate these other couple of leads we got. As much as I hate it, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> well, you know, what's wrong with agreeing with me? I'm a I smart fellow. <laughs> did any of you recognize what I read to you? Did they recognize anything from it? Is that exactly oh, 100%. Especially I mean, Benji. It is the king. Is, it's part of the king and yellow. Yeah, yeah and he, what is it each one of those excerpts or like has P, you know, a number beside it, so it's like, like jumbled up parts. Yeah, or... yeah, different pages. Page is there anything one, that jumps out at any of you? Has has Hank Hank hasn't read it? I don't think so. I think Benji's the no. only one who's read it in its totality. Is there a role I, mean, I can make to see if there's any significance to those passages? Maybe. Or. Or. 
not a cult. Does the you situation could roll an unnatural roll? What were you gonna say, Brad? I mean, this would get super trippy, but uh, you know, it's kind of these the scrap of paper that Barbus wrote down alludes to at least Benedict being inside the play, or all of us being inside of the play. Does the situation have any parallel to what you read that we're mm. in right now? I think that what Benji knows from the play is that one of the things that it's referencing the unmask unmask um benji in the play there's a masquerade ball and there's a strange person that shows up to the ball and um who's described as wearing the pallid mask just this, this flat white porcelain mask and at the end of the night when everyone unmasked themselves during the masquerade the uh this individual tells the person that I am not wearing a mask. This is my face. And that is kind of where things start to deteriorate into anarchy, chaos, and death within the story. Um, so that is what Benji tells you about the unmask, unmask part, that that's this character from the play. Yeah. And like, and you guys even hearing this, like, I'd imagine, especially Benedict, who seems to be a little bit kind of sensitive Benedict, to me. He's like, I, I don't Benji, want to know any of this. Benji, have you read this goddamn book? You wait, said you wait. didn't read it. Did, did, I, did, did I say that? Did I say <laughs> that? I'm like, I don't know if I said that. It even says red play in play on that scrap. Have you Have you bastard? read it? <laughs> so, all right. It well, was I 20, guess... 20 years ago. It's hard to remember. <laughs> Damn, that's just what we're working as a team here. Now that you've read it, what is Act 2, Scene 1? What is happening in Act 2, Scene 1? Can you give us some background uh, on that? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, Keep in but mind this... that the, the play itself, just in the real world, in our real world, I don't think anyone's written out the play, per se. I haven't seen a copy of it, so I can't tell you. I would love to tell you. But point being, this scrap here is kind of like the climax of the play. It's like when shit starts to hit the fan. Right. Whatever that's worth. Well, Benji, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. But we should we should just continue. I think your plan is good. Let's go get a fucking angle grinder. And... <laughs> Check in with the mental hospital, see if they've got any space for three more. Honestly, uh, uh, I don't really want to go back to that hospital. I want to keep that last. That's going to be a whole can of worms. Like, if we're going to do anything in between, <laughs> I say we do the uh, cell phone. We try to call something this, on the cell phone. If we're going to do something... Uh, Brad. Okay. Frankly. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest. Yeah. We did burn quite a lot of bridges at that hospital. We did. <laughs> Might just we, be best the general we. The general we. It was not. It wasn't yeah. one person. The handsy we. <laughs> okay, so then are we going to phone this demon up on the cell phone? I don't believe I'm saying this, but are we going to phone a demon on the cell phone with a battery? Oh, it's not That's a battery. battery. You have to find a charger. You could go buy a charger at a gas station. It's not Let's a go get a charger. When... Uh, this seems like an appropriate quest for us. And an angle grinder at Home Depot. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
you guys, um, it doesn't take you long. Like I said, you can go to any gas station. You guys still haven't decided what to do, or I guess you're going to come back and try to break through the bars of the, um, of Barb's house. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, All right, so you guys need to go get an angle grinder. <laughs> An angle grinder and a uh, yes. Um, this is all I've ever wanted. It's it's the world skeleton key. Like the only thing better than an angle grinder is probably like an excavator. Like it's probably the only thing that works a little better. Um, but you guys make it to like a gas station or something. You or maybe even one of the chargers that you have for one of your cell phones um, works. You plug it in and it boots up pretty quickly. Um, and we're all just the uh, Benedict kind of reading through Citri to try and prepare himself, and I don't think he finds anything. This person just makes people naked, depicted with the face of a leopard, wings of a griffin, and he changes into a beautiful person. So he tells us to the others, There's just uh, keep your clothes on, watch out for leopards. Listen, I know. I know and we typically take our clothes off, people. guys, but <laughs> let's let's do our damnedest to rein it in, keep them all on. <laughs> so as you, so you're like reading, are you reading like uh, Barbus's copy of the Ars Goetia? Like, did you take it with you? Uh, he's on Demon Web. Benedict is starting to go right. inward. Who's looking at the phone? Like one of you's driving. Benedict's busy on Demon Web 101. Is Hank driving? You want to call Benji, or you want to call breathing. Benji wants to call. All right. Oh boy, does he! <laughs> All right. You um you open it up, and it, it boots up. It's just like a little burner phone. Like you're very familiar with this. Um, There's Satan the... in the contacts. <laughs> right we go the straight to the top. <laughs> <laughs> right at the top is old Lucifer himself. Uh, so. You, you open up, it's a little flip phone. Um, you, and it has the symbol of the Citri demon, the seal of the demon on the front. You open it up, and the first thing you see is, pardon me, is you look through the contacts. There are no contacts programmed in the phone. There are a series of text messages, and there's call logs, but everything is just a phone number. Um, someone has gone to, you know, has, has made sure not to put anyone's names or anything in here. The... You look through the text, you see that all the text are to a single number. Um, and it doesn't take you long at all to do a quick Google of the area code to find out that they're all a, they're all a Las Vegas um, area code. Interesting. Um, Nevada. Nevada, Las Vegas area. Um, and they're all like, you know, where the hell are you? I haven't heard from you you know, things like that. And you see there's back and forth between this number and that number. Um, one And like one of the last messages that goes out is, you know, hey, I'm going to be a little longer on this job. Um, you know, uh, I'm, you know, if, if something comes up, if something ever happens, look me up uh, at the Boxer Hotel in Boston, Massachusetts. That's the last message that's sent out. Wait, uh, okay. And there's also... Can I ask, uh, the, go ahead. Those were t- text messages coming in saying, like, hey, where are you? Yes. Those are coming into the phone? Okay. And the ones that are going out, the last one's out. It's like, 
this this message is going like, and you know, and the responses to if something happens, find me at the Boxer Hotel. The the, <laughs> the the responses to this are like, what the hell are you talking about? Is something wrong? Are you safe? Blah blah blah, mm-hmm. like a lot of stuff like that. There is one outgoing phone call. Um, so you can either look it up or you can call it. Like, what what does Benji do? Well, now that we have that piece of information, I don't know if I want to call and blow our cover. Like, I kind of want to just go straight to the hotel. Okay. Uh, But even Uh, once we get to the hotel, I don't know how we're going to find this person. Yeah. Benji's sharing all this with Hank and Benedict. Well, we could just try looking up uh, his name. I'm assuming this is, uh, you know, Dr. uh, Sorry, what's his name? Uh, Barb. Barbus, I'm assuming this is Barbus sending out these texts. We could try Barbus at the hotel. We didn't find it on this person, right? We found it in the room. Well, no, it is. Uh, let it's, me, it was taped underneath the counter in the kitchen. Like it was let hidden. me. This is my uh, interpretation of this. This was a phone, a burner phone given to Barbus by Delta Green. He's sending something to his wife or something in Las Vegas. He gets wrapped up in this junk and starts carving symbols onto the phone. There might be something that, uh, of more insight as to the road he, the path he went down in his later days, at this yeah. hotel. You guys, as you're looking at this, you see there's only there's a bunch of incoming calls, and there's there's only one outgoing or there's outgoing calls to this same number that they're texting, um, and then there's one incoming call too. So you have three sets of phone numbers. You have the person who this who they were texting back and forth, who sounds like they were worried about them. Yeah. You have one outgoing call and one incoming call. So let's if I had a vote, I'd say we let's try this hotel first, and then after that, let's try these phone numbers that are the calls. That is, yeah. I, um, I'm confused. Was it Barbus that's staying at the hotel? Or was it the person he's talking know. to? We don't know what we're going to find at the hotel. The uh, you owner know, could... of the phone seems to have been staying at the Boxer Hotel. Okay. Could have been Bobbis, but, you know, this could be some kind of Hank, last will Hank, type situation. Can we get your friend, the sandwich buddy that you have, to look up this number? Is we that, have resources. Is that what we're going the with for the, for the name? Yeah. Sandwich, Sandwich, buddy? Motherfucker. Sandwich. A-Cell, I think is who you refer to. <laughs> A-Cell. The Sandwich Whatever guys. Whatever they're called. Uh, um, we could. Well, you know Do that you want? could probably look up these phone numbers. Like, uh, between Benedict, I would say between Benedict and Hank, you both think that you could probably use some of your connections, use some of your skills to look mm-hmm. this stuff up. Um, what is each of your bureaucracy? skill 52 uh, let me see uh, his is higher five. mine's 42 I mean 44 his is higher he's failed it every single time <laughs> both of you feel that you could probably get this number tracked through either law enforcement or like some backdoorsy investigative journalist uh, kind of things, and you wouldn't really have to make a roll for it. You think you could probably just do that. You think you have because your skills are high enough that you think you could figure that out. All right, let's do it. Yep, we're gonna do that. 
on our way to the hotel. Make a few calls and okay. try to. Um, he'll take a one phone, t- phone number. I'll take two or something like that. We swinging by Home Depot on the way. Or of course, that's right. of course. You guys want to go with the Dewalt or the Ryobi? Well, you got it. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you want do you do you want affordability or do you want uh or do you want quality? That's uh that's your choice. I mean, this is mm-hmm. a interdimensional uh steel bars we're talking about. We probably need the best. <laughs> probably need the best one. Okay. There's a there's a label underneath one of the brands that says "Great for the night floors." Oh, night floors app- approved. It says right there, it's great for the night floors. It's the Carcosa it brand. It's the Carcosa brand. Uh, magical clockwork self automation system. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's an extra. Yeah, you got to pay extra for all that. That's uh, in a plan. Be crystal clear. We're gonna get a battery powered one. With a charger and an extra battery. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right, so you guys pick that up, and then you head to you head to the hotel. You guys have made some calls in the meantime, uh, Benedict and Hank, to run down some of this stuff. Uh, Hank, you get a call back pretty damn quickly about the phone numbers, about the incoming call with the number. You... You get uh, like one of your one of your agent friends from the marshal service tells you. Uh, he's like, Hank. Yeah. Hey. Uh, listen. I, I ran down that number. I actually plugged it into the federal directory, and uh, actually came up. That's a DEA number. Uh, mm. He's like, that is a. So I've got the name here of the guy. Uh, do you, Do you want it? Uh. Yeah. Lay it on me. Yeah. It's um. It's a Agent Ruben Hardrick. Okay. He's a, he's a D- DEA guy uh, out of Nevada. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you okay, man? We haven't seen you around the office. Oh, just, uh, you know, working late on this case. Uh, everything's okay. good here. Uh, did you get anything on the second number going out? Uh. Yeah, I got the other two numbers. Yeah, I pulled them up right here. Uh, the first one is another, uh, looks to be another uh, Nevada number, um, registered to an Ophelia Citri. Hmm. How's that name? Citri's the demon. Citri. Oh. Uh, any information yeah. on this uh, character? Well, yeah, I, I got the address for you. Do you, do you want that? Yes, I would like that. Okay, he gives you the address. Uh, he's, like, uh, he's like, beyond that, uh, you know, and he gives you like her, her basics, like her, her birth, all the info you would need to look at. Yeah. It's <clears> like, uh, you know, and then, you know, and probably about that time, Benedict, you get a call back and you get some very similar info. You don't get the info about the DEA number, but you get some similar info about this Ophelia Citri. And then they tell you, yeah, looks like uh, looks like we've got uh, this other number. That's a local number. Uh, it's a, a what is it? Dorchester Psychiatric Hospital. God damn it! Okay. This is uh, the text okay? going out. This is the text going. That out? That was the outgoing phone number. <laughs> he called like whoever had the phone had called the okay. number. So you've got 
texts back and forth to this woman, Ophelia Citri. You've got an incoming call from this DEA agent, an outgoing call to the Dorchester. And you guys right now are sitting... I'm not okay, but thank you for asking. I'm having a terrible day. And I hope you're having the same. <laughs> Jesus. Slams <laughs> <laughs> oh, the phone down. Slams it down. I just side eye. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Benji, <laughs> after hearing him just say <laughs> this first. <laughs> yeah. Maybe then, we uh, should go take a break and get some obbies on the way back. God, that's a level. Alright, you guys stop at an Arby's, and I think that's actually a great place for us to go ahead and uh, stop here. Man, you guys just uncovered a whole a whole can't you're talking about the Dorchester being a can of worms. Man, you guys oh, just damn. uncovered a whole bunch of other stuff in this single cell phone. Should not have used it. Should have crushed this it. This whole thing Should've is... Uh... No, no. <laughs> you can't hit everything with, with a lead pipe. Watch. <laughs> Don't watch me. <laughs> not every problem can be solved with a lead pipe, Benedict. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Yeah, uh, how, do you, how are you guys feeling about that? getting hairy good. man i don't I, <laughs> I feel like i kind of have like a good overarching like um idea of like what routes to go and like what's kind of connected but now it's just getting really muddled yeah. i don't know i always feel good when we have leads it's when we don't have leads that i get <laughs> yeah. like get twitchy right frustrated more accurately frustrated. <laughs> but <laughs> i'm feeling yeah. pretty good about it right now all right well, everyone watching, mm. everyone listening, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, if you like what you're hearing and uh, you want to connect with us, head on over to r slash greenboxgaming. And uh, we're also on Twitter and everything. And all of our links are there on r slash uh, greenboxgaming. You can find everything there. That's kind of our headquarters. Um, but if you like this so much, you're like, Joe, I am so called up that I think I actually want to uh i think i actually want to hear these stuff a week early then why don't you swing on over to uh patreon.com slash greenbox gaming underscore and i'm gonna be frank with you right now you guys want to hear something crazy you guys want to hear something something nuts mm-hmm. go for it that's for the audio i just pulled up the patreon i had it up earlier today and i just pulled a patreon we have a new we have a new patron Nice. Yeah, everyone welcome. welcome Andre. Andre. Hey, Andre. Andre, thank you. Man, that's that's great. So Andre is uh, joining our friends Steve, Kyle, Peter, Stewart, and Stuart. They are the first five. Nice. Our original nice. five. The OG contributors. five. The OG um, five. Man. Speedo swag coming in. There, oh, it's on its way. You know, some... Get them some maximum peanut butter achieved t-shirts. <laughs> maximum peanut butter. I want to see. I want to listen. I'm looking at you, Steve. I want to see a maximum peanut butter tattoo in your future, my friend. That's uh. <laughs> yeah. Don't but thank forget, you guys. Twenty dollar tier. We will bottle to the death for you. Yes. Yeah, there will be gladiator style. But yeah, hey, listen. That's only three dollars a month, and you know you're basically just buying us a cup of coffee you know and that money it goes to pay for our uh you know for our our servicing the podcast and for our other subscriptions to the services we had man you guys really help this podcast 
be a thing and help it to continue. Uh, thank you so much. And again, you guys, uh, if you're interested in doing that, $3 a month is all it takes. You get to hear these, uh, you get to hear all the episodes a week early, and you get a private RSS feed that you get all of the episodes directly to whatever device your platform you're listening to. So it's pretty good, pretty good deal. Sweet. So, you guys, thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank, thank you. Thank you. running it. Yeah. And uh, for those of you watching on Twitch, um, stand by. We will be back in a little bit. And for those of you listening or watching the VODs uh, uh, in the future, thanks for joining us. And we will catch you next time. All right. Later, players. Bye. 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 Bye.